All right, guys. Welcome to the Our Thoughts on This podcast. I'm going to be your host today. Uh, my name is Jason. And I'm going to have my friend here introduce himself. Hi, my name is Jose. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about uh, Starfield. So, just to give a little bit of background for people who don't know, Starfield is a new game from Bethesda uh, Game Studios. You know, the same people who made Fallout 3 and 4, um, Skyrim. And these guys, for me and Jose, we've played their games pretty much all of our childhood, I should say. And so this has been a long time coming, something completely new for them. And we're just going to talk about kind of our thoughts on the game. But we're going to save all the main quest stuff for last. Um, we're going to talk about factions and side quests first. And just beware, this will be full of spoilers. If you came in here looking for something spoiler-free, you came looking wrong. There's going to be spoilers in here. So, Jose, what was your favorite faction quest? My favorite faction quest? Yeah. I think, I think my favorite was probably the Freestar Rangers. All right. Yeah, the Freestar Rangers quest line is a pretty good quest line for to give background on that. The Freestar, but people is to start the universe. There's two governments, two major governments that control um, what they call their space, which is the settled system. There's a Freestar Collective, which kind of have this cowboy old western aesthetic going on then there's the united colonies which is more of a you know kind of has a more mass effect kind of feel going on so the freestar rangers is like their sheriff force they're not the police they're more like the sheriffs i think right uh they're they're more than that they're just they're literally almost the military the security force for the Freestar Collective. All right. So they're like, they're like the entire security force for the Freestar Collective. Is what they are. Yeah. Which is why they're governed by the the council. <laughs> yeah, the council is basically like the governing body. The council is basically yeah. it's 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 an oligarchy pretty much. It's run by corporations and uh, people with lots of political power in that way political power sway but the freestar collective what was your just overall thoughts on that on the freestar collective as a whole no i'm sorry on the quest line on the quest line um i i really enjoyed it and i thought in my opinion it was my favorite quest line because the entire game has you kind of going back and forth in space all over the whole entire time to do little things. But I feel like whenever I was traveling to do stuff for the Freestar Collective, the little things I was doing were more meaningful. So I didn't feel like I was wasting my time going places and doing stuff because there was there usually was more going on with the Freestar Collective. It was more involved than the other ones. As like where I feel like with the, with the other quests with I guess we'll talk about later, but I guess to sum it up, I feel like the Freestar Collective was a bit more involved. Yeah, I mean, it, it's also, I think it's also one of the quest lines that does the most world building. 
because you go to all yeah. those different places. You go, you get to go to, um, I forget the name of the planet, which is one of our big issues, I think we can both say on this game. But I forget the name of the planet, but where you have to do the Red Mile, which is basically like a gauntlet. Yeah. Um, and that was really cool. That quest line, Freezer Ranger quest line is really cool. I want to say it's my favorite. My favorite quest line is, I, I'm kind of tied. It's between the Crimson Fleet, um, UC System Defense, which is like their Navy pretty much, and um, or the Vanguard, which is like their civilian Navy. Um, mm -hmm. I think the Crimson Fleet quest line is way more combat focused, but way less story focused. While the Vanguard quest line is all about the story and all about the all about the consequences and stuff like that. Yeah, it was. I feel like the the Vanguard questline was very political. Not yes. not like political as in the real world, like politics, like political within the game world politics. As like like the way that the way that things work with the UC and. Like how everything you do, like yeah, that's you go through a governing body and and what was there was one thing that was oh yeah, the fact that they're hiding the war criminal underneath the the mass building and you can't tell anybody about it. Or or you can choose not to tell anybody about it. Yeah, it was very it was it was more politically involved plus. I feel like there wasn't there was combat and it was like combat against like it was uh, against and, the aliens and yeah. Tormors. Tormors, yeah. So, and there wasn't much of it compared to the Crimson Flea or the Free Star Collective. No. I feel like it was a political, was more current world lore as opposed to like them talking about the old lore. That's really that's, interesting. No, that's, that's not true because it did have a lot of, towards the end of the quest, when you go to the Glendinian? Yeah, Glendinian. When you go to Glendinian, it was... I don't know. I guess it, it starts out kind of slow, and it picks up a lot at the end. And it starts talking more about the history towards them. Yeah. I um, mean, that quest line, the, the fact that they're basically keeping Space Hitler in their bunker is kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is insane. Yeah, that's why I say it was, it was more political. It was like more... It's like political plays being made. That you had to figure out the what political play was going to be made. Yeah, and what's um, best for everybody in the whole. I mean, you could choose to say what's best for yourself, what's best for the United Colonies, or what's best for the overall settled systems, which I really like. I like how it gives you that kind of choice. Yeah. Um, the, the Crimson Fleet quest line, the system defense quest line, is really cool. It's really fun. I liked how um, how do I say this? I liked how you could a lot of the missions in the system defense quest line. You could you had to do them non-lethally. It's like um oh my god, this is gonna be a throwback reference. It's like Splinter Cell Double Agent, where you had to do quest lines for the terrorists and the CIA, and you kind of had to like choose. You know, had to keep it in the middle because if you started doing yeah. too much to one side, then you mess up with the CIA. Or if you start to doing too much for CIA, you blow your cover with the terrorist organization. That's kind of like how you know, I thought about it. Yeah. You're right. 
You're right. Yeah. You know what bothered me about that quest line though? What? I feel like throughout, like throughout, and it's starting at the very start. I think we talked about this as I played through it. How like the very thing you first thing you have to do to join the Crimson Fleet is uh, the Crimson Fleet. Uh, Renee, I don't remember her name, but uh, what was her name? The the black chick from the Crimson Fleet. She's almost like the second in command for. Oh, I, I don't remember her name. You don't remember her name, yeah. but um, like She's she wants you to go. And... <laughs> she wants you to go and take care of this crimson fleet dude that ran away on those people's ship. You remember that? Yeah. And I remember I was talking to you when I did it that like you you're told like emphasize. There's so much emphasis by system defense like hey don't blow your cover but still like try to act like one of them but like make sure you don't blow your cover um well like the very first thing you do is like you go and you try to deal with there's different ways you can either just blow up the ship and like have system defense people just pissed at you or you can board the ship and make the captain kill <laughs> the Crimson Fleet guy. Or you can just tell him that you're with system defense, give up the Crimson Fleet dude, and you leave. Yeah. And in my opinion, like, like, I chose, like, they have the captain. Like, the captain's killing somebody from the team. You would assume that system defense wouldn't have a problem with that because it's the Crimson Fleet, the people they're trying to fight. Um, yeah. But... Yeah. That pisses system defense off. Like that's almost. I think you get like two strikes, and if you fuck up those two times, I don't know if they turn on you, but they like they're just mad at you, and you can't work with them. I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, I chose to do that option, and I thought that would be the best option because I'm not telling anybody I'm in system defense. Why the hell would I tell anybody I'm in system defense? Who knows who's gonna go until they come to sleep? Yeah. I don't know. If yeah. I was just thinking like. Much for me, I'm expecting to like you would think that'd be the best option because somebody was hurt, but the Crimson Fleet, yeah, but that was not. I guess the right option is to tell your system defense, which I found dumb. Like, it was just at that point, it like there was really no like no thought to it, like, you it was so easy to do. Straight up just telling it was system defense, and that's it. I felt like the option where you board the ship and you know you do all that convincing to the captain and then you make the captain force out the Crimson Fleet member, like that requires the most thought. That would have been cool if that was the option you could take because like it's more like player involved as opposed to just having a like a dialogue option where you're like, hey, I'm with these people, give up this guy, and you're good. Like that's it just seemed pointless. And there's a lot of other options you make on that quest line that are like that. It's just you oh the the brainless option seems to always be the right option. Like the most black and white of the two is always the right one. There's like no gray because the gray one's gonna piss one of the two off. Which yeah. and that bothered me with that quest line. Like, I, I felt like I didn't truly have much choice. Because if I chose what I really wanted to do, then one of the two people would have been pissed. So I just always have to do black and white things. Yeah, and I think that's a bigger issue with that 
with the whole game as a whole, right? Like, no matter what you do, you're always bothering, you're always doing something wrong in somebody's eyes. Yeah. And there's no, the game makes lots of moral grandstanding, which is, you know, it's cool if that's what you want to do. If that's what you want to do, make our moral grandstands. I, I find it a little bit. On my first playthrough of the game, I didn't notice this as much, but by my second playthrough of the game, I'm like, okay, this is annoying. Like, this is... Um, yeah. Annoying. And that's what I liked about the Free Star Collective, is I feel like, yeah, somebody will be upset, but it's not to the point where they're upset where you can no longer do the questline or you lose any relationship with anybody. Because you're pretty... You, like, you're the law... You are handling the law how you see fit. Yeah. And and the end of that quest line is a great example of that with what you can do with the owner of of that company whose name I don't even remember anymore. Ron Hope. <laughs> yeah, with Ron Hope. You can either like you get to option. Like there's all these people who rely on him for jobs. And you can either take him uh, you can either go and tell the Free Star Collective, and they'll go and deal with them with the council. You, uh, you can't take them in, which kind of sucks. But like, if you take, if you talk to the council, you know there's still consequences. You can have them bribe you so that nobody loses their job, or you can just fucking kill them. And uh, like, yeah, like there's more. I feel like there was more option there because whatever you choose, like you're not getting kicked out of the Free Star Collective. You're not getting kicked out of being a ranger like you're you're able to deal with that situation however you want to like that, that's i feel like there was more freedom there i understand that with the crimson fleet like you're a spy but like there there had to have been a better way to give the player options on what to do rather than just this or that yeah i agree it's 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 interesting, right? Like you do you do lots of cool things throughout the game, but I feel like none of it matters mm-hmm. because nothing. There's no consequences. Like that, that, my biggest issue in the game is there's no consequences, and even though the game tries to tell you there are consequences, there there isn't. There isn't. Like yeah, that's yeah and. You're right. Sorry, I gotta <laughs> have to sneeze. Um, that's the biggest problem I think I had with the game. I think we talked about this already the other day, but like comparing it to like Fallout Four, even the biggest one I can compare it to is Fallout New Vegas. For like when you do something in that game, like there are consequences in the world to your actions, but. In this game, like you said, you're always just told about the consequences. It doesn't really seem like anything ever changes. You're always playing in the same game world no matter what. Yeah. Like you're always going to see, if you deal with the Crimson Fleet, you're always going to see just as much Crimson Fleet. Like, mm-hmm. um, with the Freestar Rangers, like, there's no effect that you can see immediately or coming up. Like, at any point, of you playing the game, if you kill Ron Hope, like there's just anything you do doesn't really matter. Like you said, it's just it's very strange. It's something that 
I don't know why. I don't know why, why nobody. <laughs> it seems really easy to rectify that, but yeah, there's just like there's no consequences to anything you do. You're just being told. Yeah, the world really is very strange. static. Like, yeah. What I what I what I do is think about older Bethesda games and even just other RPGs. I think it's really cool. Fallout New Vegas does this. If you've played Fallout One, Fallout Two, when you play Fallout New Vegas, they're not their Brotherhood is still remnants, right? They're not the original Brotherhood is still they're the remnants of that. They could have made the Crimson Light, the Crimson Fleet questline so much better if they're just like, okay, we slightly changed the way of Crimson Fleet. Their ships aren't as well maintained, right? Their armor is not as well maintained. Now they're the remnants of that fleet. Um, like, you know, Star Wars after, after, um, um, not A New Hope, after, now I can't remember the Star Wars movie, the last Star Wars movie of the original trilogy. Um, oh my gosh, Return of the Jedi. God, I'm gonna lose all my nerd street cred for forgetting that. <laughs> um, so stuff like that, like, like, I don't like, and I'll throw this in, cause we're gonna talk about this. You have to wait until you beat the game to see the effects of any of your actions in the world. It's really interesting. Yeah. And that's the thing. You don't even see them. You're just told of them. You're told. Um, and so to kind of build up that, we'll talk about side quests later. Let's, let's get into the main quest. I want to talk about this now because I, it started off strong, but after playing through the game on my second full playthrough, I'm just not the biggest fan of this main quest. It's not as bad as Fallout 4's, because I don't think Fallout 4's main quest is all that good. But this is not it. This is not it. Not compared to something like Oblivion or Skyrim. So how do you feel about it? I don't like it either. Yeah. I, it's not that I don't like it, but I don't think it was good enough. Mm, yeah. Um, it, it kept me, like you said, it kept me interested the first time around. But after I started to think about it, <laughs> after playing it, it's just it's very it's very lacking. Like a lot of it is done through dialogue, and it's all really lackluster dialogue. And then anything other than that is just fetch quest, <laughs> like literally fetch quest. It's literally go yeah. here, pick up object, leave. Exactly. Like, or or go here, do this little mini game, get this power, leave. And it's always the same exact mini game. Always. I don't know whose idea that was, but um, yeah, it was just it was not good. And I think the biggest problem with it, and the I think this is the biggest problem with the game's success is that if you're not interested in it because it's it's not specific it's not i don't know how to explain what i'm trying to say but it's like pretty much if, if you don't get into that first if you're not into the game by those first two hours then you're done yeah. you're dropping off and it's it's not even just that like i guess what i'm trying to say is like if you play if you play any fallout game any elder scrolls game like the main quest line has a lot of action there's a lot of stuff going on it's a topic that isn't 
hard to digest. It's not mainstream, but it's almost like a movie. Compared to with this game's main quest line, where it's about space exploration, if you don't give a fuck about exploration or space or or finding out the secrets of the universe, which I can't see many people caring, then you're not going to like it, and you're just going to not want to do it. And you're just going to lose interest very early on. Already, interest that you probably already didn't have because the game starts out so slow. Yeah. Um, Oh, and it's a game so, yeah, of I just... exploration with very minimal exploration. I'm not gonna lie to you. When you when you go through the the side quests that Constellation will give you are literally go here, scan this, go here, pick up this. It, it's the worst type of game design. I'm not. I hate that type of game design. Um, it is genuinely terrible. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's. It's frustrating. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, it's, it is it's very frustrating. frustrating. Um, it's like, and and I know from so some things I've read online, but this game ship shifted focuses halfway through. But you can very feel when they were first making this game, it was going to be a hardcore survival exploration game. And then they were like, oh, wait, nobody's going to want to play this. So they switched it up. Because, like, don't you feel it, like, in all the systems? Like, you you don't have to build outposts in this game at all. You can. Yeah, you can. I never even opened the outpost building menu. Yeah, you don't have to build outposts. It has a really cool injury system, like a very detailed injury system that you can mm-hmm. just skirt around and not even mess with. Like it's yeah. um, it's so interesting. Like oh, you have dislocated joints and broken arms and all of this, and then you can just go in a menu and click one button and it automatically heals you. It's like it's like they had two very different clashing de- design. Um, philosophies, and they just were like, like an internal struggle, probably after Fallout 76, because for people who don't know, Fallout 76 is a multiplayer Fallout game. It was not made by the main Bethesda studio, but it had lots of ideas that the main Bethesda studio was playing with, and after, I think, the reaction to that, they were just like, oh man, we need to change everything, because nobody's going to want to play this. Um, and yeah. you can feel it. You can feel it. But let's talk about the story of the main quest. Um, so I, I, there's really not that much story in the game. Um, I would say a lot of the coolest stuff that happens in the game, you uh, happens before you even start playing it. It's like in Skyrim, where your game takes place. A couple of years after the, um, you know, the White Gold Concordant was signed and the war between the Empire um, and the Falmor. Like, this, this That's... is how this No, I disagree with that. Because oh. I disagree with that. Because I feel like Skyrim still takes place in an interesting time in the history of Tamriel. Like, 
yeah, the main war is over, but now you're going through the after effects of that main war. You're going through the rebellion period. So there's still active conflict going on where I feel like in, in Starfield, it's right after like you're you're pretty much in peacetime. So there's nothing going on. Yeah. Like it's you're literally in peacetime. Like at least like they could have done some I dude, I would have rather had if they had done a rebellion quest line. Again, right after doing Skyrim, I don't care. But like just the fact that there's nothing really going on between the two factions is crazy yeah like you're like the whole time you're being told of this insane colony war with all these mechs and xeno warfare all these badass things and then you're living in peacetime like what that that is so crazy to me like y'all went through the trouble of creating mechs putting them in the game so it could be like this cool like power armor kind of thing oh but you can't use it Dude, and it's and the biggest like like fuck you about it is that you can go to the battlefields and mm-hmm. you can see the remnants of that and it looks badass. You can see and then you're just works. and you're just living in peacetime. Like what was the the design ideology behind that? I don't understand. Yeah. I, I don't know why they went with the quest that they went to. I feel like Constellation could have been a side, uh, it could have been a faction. They should have been a faction. It, it honestly should have been a faction. You know what? What I was thinking, um, I was thinking about this last night when I went to bed because I knew we were going to have this conversation today. It would have been really cool if this whole game was just a game about side quests. There was no main quest, but all the factions can become each of their own main quests. Like you get like, add four more missions per faction. Each faction gets their own unique game ending. And it's always, it's just about you. You can join Constellation and become Explorer, or you can join the Free Star Collective or the UC, or you can become a pirate. If it was just kind of like that, I think I would have liked it a lot more, because Constellation kind of sucks. It does. The it characters are really cool. boring. Yeah, the characters are cool. But, God, dude, freaking... Like, I like the characters. I mean, we could talk about that, too. Let's talk about some of the characters. Um, Let's talk about... Who do we want to talk about first? Let's talk about your favorite uh, companion, Barrett. Barrett. I, I just... The reason I like Barrett is because he seemed the most... He seemed the least uptight. <laughs> like, he was actually... Like, he was more down-to-earth. Like, it was less... I feel like with Sarah... Sam and um, Andresia, like, they're all just really uptight. Like, you do something wrong, and there's no level of humor. There's nothing. You're just, you're a fucking piece of shit. Why would you do that? You know what I mean? With Barrett, there's always, like, a level of, oh, no, how would you do that? That was kind of dumb. Like, it's, he's not on your ass. Yeah, and I think but, that like, goes back into his background, too, like, how he was a smuggler and all that. Like, he understands. Yeah. But freaking, you do, I, I dislike, I, I like Sarah Morgan. She's one of them. She's actually the first person, one of the first people you meet in the game outside of Barrett. I like her as a character, but she's always like, oh, why did you steal that? Why are you stealing? And you're so annoying. It's, half the game is stealing stuff, but she complains every time you steal something. It's, yeah, and it's not even just her. It's like literally all of the companions. Yeah. 
And I that's didn't... what sucks. It's I don't know why all the companions you can get in the game are from Constellation. Yeah. That is like that is not something that they've ever done in a Bethesda like RPG. Like well, make I... it so all your companions come from one faction and that is the faction that is the main quest. Yeah. What was uh, like what was the reason for that? Yeah, there are no faction companions, which is crazy. There are no faction companions. You can recruit randomly generated NPCs. Um so if they're not randomly generated people who you can have on your ship crew who are named can also become a, a companion. I should say companion. They're mm-hmm. basically just a follower. So like you can find a random ship technician as long as they're named I think one of them was literally named Masako. Like, I have her. She can become a companion. She doesn't complain about anything because she's happy to be there. She gets paid. You know, but anybody else... But that's the problem. There's no no dialogue options or anything for them. They're just there. Yeah, they just exist. That's what I'm saying. Calling them a companion is not fair. They're literally just... They're followers. Um, Yeah. Let's talk about... Let's talk about Sam. Alright. Um, now, Sam Coe right. is voiced by uh, one of my favorite video game voice actors. If you play Deus Ex, the mar- modern Deus Ex games, so Human Revolution and Mankind Divided, is the same guy who voices the main character, Adam Jensen. I love that dude's voice. I love playing as him in uh, Deus Ex. He sucks in this game. Um, not in a writing standpoint, but he's whines all the time. Like, if it's his yeah. character and who he is, like, when you think of it that way, oh, this perfectly fits for his character, but as the person playing the game, I can't stand it. Like, I get it. He used, yep, to be literally, he used to be a space cop. Of course he's going to complain whenever you do anything, but God, he is annoying. The, the one who is actually, to me, the least annoying is Andreja. The only time she complains is if you murder innocent people. Um... Barrett, oh, Barrett died for me, so major spoiler. <laughs> uh, one of your main companions will die. There's no way to avoid it. And for me, I think out of the two, it could be either Sarah or Barrett. And Barrett died for me, so I just never got to build that um, relationship. Barrett died for me, too. Yeah. Um, it wasn't uh, even a relationship. It was just he was the least annoying one. That's yeah. pretty much what it was. Yeah, he is. So, now you kind of understand how we feel about the characters. Andrange is really... There's not much to say about her. She comes from one of the most interesting factions in the game who are not actually in the game, which is House Maroon, uh, who are basically this space cult that worships a serpent god who is not in the game at all except for, for some, like, stragglers. That's the, that, that genuinely is my, my number three gripe with this game. How some of the most interesting stuff in the game is told to you and not shown to you. It's very yeah. annoying. Like there's, well, who said that? I think it was Steven Spielberg who said, you have to show, not tell, in filmmaking. Like, I want to see the battlefields. I want to see... And here, here's, here's the problem, too. Like, I feel like with Bethesda games, they usually at least show... Or there's some level of of effect from this big event that takes place that you're being told about. So you don't feel the same way you feel about about with this game. Like with this game, you're literally told about it, and there's no real consequences to whatever happened. Yeah. Like 
like putting again like Fallout or or even like Skyrim, like we talked about earlier, like those games. There are certain things that I feel like in a video game you can't be shown. At least they won't be as grand as they sound in text. Like there's only like at the time of the making of the game, maybe the technology wasn't there. So like it's better to tell about this event that happened because it'll make it seem more significant. But when they do that, they at least you're playing in the effect of that big event. So you see just how significant that effect was and you can still at least be a part of it through the consequences of that event yeah favorite example of this fallout 4 if you choose to go with the brotherhood of steel you will see the brotherhood of steel patrolling the capital wasteland you'll see their vertebrates flying throughout throughout the air you'll see them engage rogue groups of raiders and super mutants throughout the capital wasteland there's none of this in star none of that you know what my you want to know what my favorite example of this is in video games? What? Fallout New Vegas Boone's Quest Line. Mm-hmm. In Boone's Quest Line, um, you know about uh Bitter Springs mm-hmm. in Fallout New Vegas, like the attack that the NCR pretty much conducted on the Great Cons. Yeah. Um, and how they literally just slaughtered a bunch of innocent people. Like, they tell you about that, and Boone tells you about that because he took part in it. So you are being told of this event that if it was actually in the game, because the year Fallout New Vegas came out, it, like, the technology was not there. If you would have seen it happen, it would have been whatever. It would have just looked like a bunch of NPCs running around shooting. Yeah. But through the dialogue that was made for it and, like, how passionate when people speak about it, how hurtful it was to everybody – how even people involved regret it. Like, you you feel it, and you know that it's this big event, just like the Colony War, just like the House of Arun. Like, it's a big event that took place, and you are living in the consequences of it through Boone in Fallout New Vegas. Like, Boone is regretful of this, and he wants pretty much to, like, like make up for his wrongdoing. So... You do. You live through the consequences of it, and you eventually get to a point where, like, Boone makes it feel like he's made right with the choices he's made. So you're living in the consequence of the Bitter Springs attack through one of the people that was in the Bitter Springs attack. He explains everything to you, so you almost become part of that whole event because the whole ordeal is still going on through the, like, mental and physical pain that it caused other people in the world. Mm-hmm. And you rectify all of that. Like that's that's I feel how you go about it compared to in Starfield. Like you're just being told of all these things with no real consequence to anything. Yeah, and I nothing will take away the fact for me that I still love Bethesda games because truly nobody makes games like Bethesda, but Bethesda gets outwritten consistently. Consistently. I, I think a perfect example of this game was just Starfield launched on the same day Baldur's Gate 3 hit uh, consoles on PlayStation. And Baldur's Gate 3 is a much more well-written video game than any content in Starfield. But what Starfield does really well is immersion, right? Like, you can pick up all the objects. You can build your own base. You can the characters are really cool, but none of that matters if the world it takes place in is lame. 
it's whack, you know? Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if nothing, if everything is lame. Um, and that's, the, I think the biggest way to describe the main quest is it's just kind of lame. Like, there are some really cool moments. Um, to bring, talk about one of those I moments, think... there's the, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was saying, to think about one of those moments, it was when, uh, the hunter is chasing you through a new Atlantis. Um, and you're trying to fight him, and you just slowly realize that your bullets do no damage to him, so all you can do is run. That's re- that's a really cool, interesting moment, and we'll explain the Starborn in a little bit in the hunter, but, like, that's all cool and dandy, but it's kind of whack. Cause I actually cool. thought the coolest moment in the story was when you have that conversation with the Starborn about what they are. I thought that was the coolest moment because that was a point in the game where you actually felt like, and in the end, it doesn't fucking matter in my opinion, but like where you actually felt like you're living in a significant part of this world's history. Oh, when you're, when they, uh, That's, they reveal to you what they are. Yeah. If you want to say what the Starborn are right now, talking about that. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and explain what the Starborn are. So one of the major enemies you find in this game are the Starborn. Um, the Starborn are basically... I don't want to say... They're not extraterrestrial. They're extra-universal beings who have basically come to your universe to seek um, power, pretty much, through this thing called the Unity. Um, and the Unity is basically... I don't know how you describe it. It's not God. Um, or it's like it's house. never really it's never really explained them again. Yeah, the way I, they you explained it to you, it's 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 like a manifestation. <laughs> I don't even know. It's it's a manifestation it's, of it's, the universe itself. Like it's a yeah, it's, it's like a physical form of the concept of the universe, which is really cool and interesting. I really like that idea. Um, but yeah, that um, and you know they go through unity, they're reborn. Um, it's a different universes, and pretty much there are two sides to the Starborn. There are two warring, I, I shouldn't call them factions. There's two different ideologies. Um, so go ahead, let's talk about those ideologies. There's the Hunter, who is, in my opinion, the best of the Starborn. He has the best writing of all of them. And then there's the Emissary. So I'll let you explain the rest of that. Right. What do you like? You want me to explain uh, their ideologies? Yeah, like the hunter, the emissary, like kind of who they are. So the hunter is pretty much somebody that believes that the power of the unity and the power to become a starborn, I guess, by that, right? Yeah. Is um belongs to whoever is the most powerful, whoever is able to get it, whoever is able to attain it through physical prowess, like, um, talking, I I don't even know what I was trying to say, physical, um, diplomatic, whatever. If you can get to it first, then it belongs to you. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's pretty much, in my opinion, that's his ideology summarized. Yeah. Compared to the emissary, I guess emissary belongs to a large group of Starborn and 
they believe that the unity should be controlled and regulated, that not everybody should have the ability to become a Starborn because some people would do bad things with the power, which I guess they, I guess their opinion of bad things is what the hunter does, which is just goes and takes it by force by any means. I mean, that's pretty much the two faction summaries. Yeah, yeah. And so the interesting thing is the emissary is going to be, I think the emissary, let me just double check it. I think it's emissary. Let me double check. Uh, the emissary is whoever dies. Yeah, whatever her companion does. For me, it was Barrett. Yeah, I think it could only be one of two people. So just let me double check. Barrett or Sarah. Yeah. I think it's Sarah. Maybe not. It seems yeah, like it'd be Sarah. She has that same fucking ideology. <laughs> yeah, it's between Sarah and Barrett. I just had to look it up real quick. Yeah. So it could either be Sarah Morgan or Barrett, which Barrett being the emissary doesn't fit his character at all. <laughs> I know, not at all, dude. It was yeah. so strange. Um. Also, it's kind of strange that Keeper Aquila is the hunter, but when you start to read his, uh, it does make sense once you read into the lore, I guess. Like, when you're trying to find more information about the Starborn, and, like, you go to the two religions, the House of Arun and the... I don't even know what the name of the religion is in Starfield, but Keeper Aquilus, you go and talk to him, and you go to that planet where the Pilgrim has all his writings, you figure out why he eventually came to the conclusion that this is the best path for him to take. And it makes sense. Yeah. It, 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 in the end, it makes sense. But just at face value, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. At face value, you're like... I mean, and that kind of goes into kind of, I know... Something you I think like, that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. I think if you're playing a game rated M for Mature, you should be fucking, like, you should be a mature adult who's actually, like, understands what they're doing. You know, reading fucking shit, like, trying to understand the world you're in, like, that's something a mature adult would do. At yeah. least, in my opinion. If you're playing a story game, then that's something you should be doing. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right, and I'm I'm fine with that. I like um, I like the hunter as a character. I don't agree with his ideology at all, and um, I actually chose you can choose not to choose to side with any of them. So mm -hmm. I, I chose to just be to let the to leave in my original universe. Because the game once you get to the end of the game, you hop to a different universe, but to in my original universe to allow um. To kind of build a pathway for people to get to the union, so you don't have to fight for it. Everybody can go. Everybody can learn more about their universe. Um, and that's kind of the way I, I built it out in the way I played it. Um, yeah. I just the hunter's ideology. It makes sense where he's coming from. I don't like the idea. Like he, he's like, oh, none of this matters. You can go to a different universe, anyways, and everybody will be fine. And I'm like, that's true. I just don't like killing everybody. <laughs> I just, I can't yeah. get behind. I can't get behind it. But I understand. I that understand. is, that's probably in the main quest. Well, that is the most. I guess you could say it's not even evil, in my opinion, because it's it's a very it's a, it's a very philosophical it's, question it's utilitarianism to its core 
He's being very um, into his hair. Yeah, it's it's strange. Um, that is probably my favorite part of the game, right there. Actually, of the main quests, at least, just the hunter, the the emissary, and like after you find out what the unity is, that is the most. That's the coolest part of the game. When the game actually, like, you're building lore <laughs> for yeah. this world that you're in. Like, finally, something seems like it matters. Yeah. You're not just being stuff that's being told stuff that's already set in stone. Yeah, you can't do much about it. Yeah, no, you're right. That's, um, you know, some of the most unique stuff ever takes place before a game or what consequences of your action all take place after that you can't interact with it because you're forced to go to a new universe. Um, yeah. Yeah, man, it's just... Uh, and I feel like... I was thinking about this just now, but I feel like for a sec, I, like, I'm talking, and I'm like, am I asking too much of this game? But then, like, I start thinking, and, like, dude, like, this is... Like, this is Bethesda's... Who even... I don't even know what number rpg like by now with the resources they have with what they know you would think that they would be able to implement all these things like you would like i don't know i don't know i don't know what market research they've done that they assume that this was the best way to go about things because in the end obviously this is all about money yeah um, and it made money i can't deny that it made us money but it's just like it's just strange it's like I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure they're gonna release some DLC where like uh, House of Rooms right here. Oh, like you go into this universe by accident, and guess what? You're in the Colony War again, or something like that. But well, the yeah. Colony War, the Colony War never ended. Now you get to make a stop, something like that. But yeah, not having the main game. No, and if they if they do something like that, that's kind of a cop out. Oh, dude, but you know they are. That's how you make the most money. Because then I'm gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'll probably buy it. I I'll probably it. buy it just because I. <laughs> I bought the hundred dollar version of the game. I'm, I, I'm oh, so you're getting it no matter what. <laughs> I'm playing it. I'm gonna play it. And you know what? You know what? I and I'll say this right now. I'll play it and I'll enjoy it. And I know I'm gonna enjoy it. That's the craziest part too. Like. I'm not liking it right now that I've already played it, but I know, like, what, if I go back to it, I'm going to love it. And, you know, going back to kind of something you said earlier, like, how Bethesda makes a very specific kind of game, yeah. and I don't know, what was, where was I going with this? They make a very specific kind of game, and... I enjoy them. I, I've been. I feel like everything I've said has been negative, and I've meant it in a negative way. But I still enjoy the game because there's no other game really like it that hasn't been made by Bethesda. Like in the same place, I know there's Baldur's Gate, which is an RPG, but it's not a Bethesda game. It's not made the same exact way. Like there's certain things that I don't even know what these certain things are that I enjoy about their games but just the way they play the way things work in their games it's just it's not like other games yeah and even though i don't like the world i don't like any of that i still enjoy it 
that's the crazy thing. I still think it's worth playing. Yeah. Hey, it's still a good game. It's still a good game. It's just it's got some quirks it needs to work out. Um, well, I don't think they can be worked out. I think I know, these are just late. fundamental problems with the story. I think it's fundamental problems with their game design overall. Yeah, um, no, for sure. Bethesda is still making RPGs like how they made Fallout Three. Like nobody else, like nobody else can outdo them at their own thing. And like, you want to know the most, uh, one of the most Bethesda feeling non Bethesda game. Cyberpunk. Like, I'm not gonna lie to you. Cyberpunk does a lot of the same things that Bethesda games do. Especially the more modern ones. Like, all they needed to do was add a voice to your main character in Starfield and then just basically could have been like a Cyberpunk 2.0 kind of thing going on here. It's that it does a lot of the same things as Cyberpunk, but Cyberpunk has a more interesting world. Cyberpunk's gameplay is just better. It oh, looks yeah. better, and it's like I I feel kind of sad like crapping on Bethesda like this way because I still like Starfield. I still think Starfield is a good game, but it's only a good game if you played it in you know in isolation. It, you know. Oh yeah. man, that's yeah. That's bad. I mean, um, I have on my list here to talk about the the side quest, and I just want to hit on the fact of with the side quest. Um, what do I have right? Let now? me tell you about the side quest. Yeah, go ahead. Go the ahead. side quest. The side quest. There's different levels of side quests, just like with any Bethesda game. There are the radiant side quests which in this game come from finishing a faction's missions, going to their mission board and picking like, hey, go here, kill this guy, or hey, uh, with the Ryujin Industries, hey, go plant this like <laughs> incriminating evidence in this corporation's computer, or, you know, like just radiant stuff, just like with any other Bethesda game, like, hey, go here and do this and come back and get another one. There are side quests where... You'll show up to like a random planet and you'll help these settlers do something, which those are actually really fun. Yeah, they're voice like, acting. I, yeah, that's something that was unique to this game. I feel like there were a fair amount. I haven't run out of them yet of side quests where you show up somewhere and there's all, there's like a storyline side quest, like a, a side quest with a storyline. And that was cool. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean that that was good. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's really what the side quests are in this game. There's there's two levels. There's the radiant quest, and then there's those the storyline ones. I don't know exactly how many there are. I don't know if there's enough to play for a significant amount of time, but they're there. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are cool. There's. Um, and one of my favorite parts about that is some of those side quest characters will show up in the open, open universe, the open space, right? They'll show mm -hmm. up in the open space. Uh, I remember, um, um, I remember the one 
where you uh, where they're like the Free Star Collective and the UC are working together because a settlement is getting attacked by spacers. And then I went to a different planet, and that same UC captain showed what just happened to be in the same set of space I was in. I was like, oh, hey, it's you again. Probably on your way to go help Morris random settlements. And I'm like, yeah, that's actually what I'm doing right now. Um, uh, yeah. Which is cool. But most of the radiant stuff is kind of about our fetch quest. Go here, kill this guy. Go here, pick up this thing. Go here, deliver the grace this. They're leveling up. They're doing challenges. Yeah. Yeah. They're good for becoming more power, building a more powerful character, but they do become kind of brain numbing after a while. Yeah, it's it's frustrating, but it's still. I think this goes back to like an issue that Bethesda has kind of been doing for a while. Is they're too reliant on radiant quest, too reliant on it. Fallout Four was super reliant on it. Skyrim, not as much. Oh, dude. Well, look. Here's the problem with doing that with Skyrim, like. Like, there's some people that have been playing Skyrim for so fucking long that all they have is Radiant Quest left. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are a lot of side quests in Skyrim. And there's a, a lot of, uh... There's a lot of content in Skyrim in general. But, like, that game, people have played the shit out of that game so much, all there really is left to do is Radiant Quest. It's never run out. I feel like that's why you hear so many people talk about Skyrim and Radiant Quest. Yeah, I mean, and the thing about Skyrim is, I genuinely think this, Skyrim is a really good video game for its time, but if, if you try to play Skyrim, base Skyrim, no mods, today, right now, having never played it, that game is not that good. It has all the same issues that Starfield has. It has all the same issues that Fallout 4 has. It's just when Skyrim came out, it was the only game like that. The only game before that was five years earlier in Oblivion, right? Or uh, even earlier, or um, even a little bit later in Fallout 3. So, I mean, but like, but now Bethesda's competing. Bethesda's direct competitor is also owned by Microsoft, and her name is Obsidian, and they made the better Fallout game, too. <laughs> like, Bethesda's just been getting outclassed for years at their own game. So, it's a it's a battle. Yeah. This is a hard conversation to have because I, I love Bethesda games. I love Bethesda but games. I, I, I know when, where they are lacking. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, there's probably a lot of people, I will say this, there's plenty of people who play Bethesda games for longer than me. I don't think Bethesda has many dedicated truly dedicated fans like how I am. Like, there's lots of fans of Bethesda games. I don't think any of them are truly as dedicated as us, where we still go back and play these games. I mean, you still yeah, play I'm literally Fallout. playing Oblivion as yeah. right now. Yeah, you're playing Oblivion. Playing we go back again. to New Vegas, Fallout 3. I go back to Fallout 4 and Skyrim all the time. And like, I'll say, I have over, by now, I'm almost close to a thousand hours in Fallout 4. And I'm a little bit behind in Skyrim. Skyrim are probably closer to like 800 hours. Like, yes, these are oh, really good dude. games. I, I have had, to, I've got 
probably a year's worth of hours on Skyrim. I've been playing the game since 2011. Yeah. I have an ungodly amount of hours on Skyrim. I've uh, bought that game like eight different times. Yeah, you want to know something about Skyrim? Yeah, this is going to be crazy. You know this about me. I didn't finish Skyrim's main quest until last year. So yeah, I know. <laughs> that's how much I can... I played Skyrim for all those years, for almost 11 years to a day, never having played the main quest all the way through. I would always get distracted by the side quests, and that's... I, I feel like the same way about Starfield. Like, your people are going to get distracted by the side quest. I feel like by next year, the conversation around Starfield is going to be completely different. People are going to be like, oh, yes, this game is great now. The modding is there. Um, the DLC will I probably be done. Yep. Um, I think the modding will save it. And you know why? Because I feel like, at least for me, the reason I go back to playing all these games like like oblivion skyrim fallout 4 the original fallouts all that is because the world like i can't experience a world like this in any other game like the world that has been built around me the world that i feel like i'm a part of i i feel like they do that better or at least they used to better than any other game like i play it not even for the main quest, for the side quest, because I like to feel like I'm a part of that world. It's like getting lost in that world. And Starfield just doesn't do it for me. Starfield's yeah. world just kind of, it, it's, it's so big, but at the same time so empty that it's just, there's nothing to really feel like you're a part of. Yeah. It feels like everything that, like it's taken place has already taken like like I said, the most significant thing to really do in that game is is with the Starborn, like figuring that part out. And when I found that out about that game, I was locked in, dude. I was locked in. But, but then the game ends. And that's right at the end of the game. And it's like, okay, well, that was like the coolest part of this game. Like I don't I don't know what to do now. Yep. Yeah. Like there's what, what the hell? What, what's the reason you're playing through the game again? It's not like I'm gonna find any significant discovery again. Yeah, and, um, then, and then now that you're done with it, you're never gonna get that feeling again. Exactly, and it's just like the world. And this is a huge problem with the game. Like, yeah, it's a big game. There are a lot of planets, a lot of star systems, but like most of that. It's just empty space, like mm -hmm. not literally empty space in the sense that's like with Earth in that game where it's literally empty space with a bunch of like monuments here and there. Like, yeah, it's empty space with like, oh, you can go and discover these like uh, these minerals or you can go and discover these animals like, but that's it. <laughs> like, yeah, 80s percent of the planets are completely barren. Like, I'm not gonna like. 80% yeah. of the planets are completely barren. There's nothing. And it does kind of make sense. It makes sense story-wise. It's it's I think it's a problem of you're literally just in every sense like just you're living in the wrong time of this universe because it's very early like in like in the grand scheme of the universe like humans pretty much just discovered like interplanetary inter like 
whatever solar system travel. Interstellar, yeah. Interstellar, so whatever. yeah, interstellar travel. So like everybody's still colonizing these planets. So of course they're going to be barren because they've been, they've had nothing, not no alien life or anything on them for years, for the entirety of the life of the universe. So it makes sense that they'd be so barren. And that just exposes the bigger problem of the game. It's just that it just like, I don't know why they wrote it the way they did. I don't know why they said it in the time they did where nothing interesting is taking place. That is the big problem. I guess if you're into like colonizing these planets on your own and building your own base, building these planets up, then that's cool. But like they made a system that is like very, it's very difficult to get into because there isn't really any point where you need to do it. And on top of that, like not everybody likes gathering resources and base building. Like it's just, not everybody's thing, especially when it comes to Bethesda game. I feel like that's not everybody's thing. But it's, I don't know. I feel like, and i that's why I said again, that I think modding is going to save this game because when you bring in modding and when you make it easier or more interesting to do base building, this is, it's not even going to be like the same game it is now. It's going to be like a fucking space colonizer game where you go to different planets and you build up cities. I feel like that's the type of modding that this game's going to have. And they're going to add more interesting characters. Like they're going to add cities and quest lines to these planets. It's going to be a different game in that sense. It's like a shell of what it should be. Yeah. Of what it's going to be on spawning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I can't wait for it to get there, but it's just, this game has lots of wasted potential. A yeah. lot of stuff that it just, I know it could do if they just... I think the I biggest know. problem is, it just like I just said, it takes place at the wrong time in the timeline. Yeah. There's nothing going on. And that really makes me think, this game was really supposed to be released last year. What was this game oh, like man. a year ago? What was this I game like a year ago, right? Yeah. What was going on over there? But uh, I guess I guess we'll 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 end it there, guys. Um, this has been our thoughts on this, our thoughts on Starfield. Um, you can follow us on most social media platforms. You can find us on Threads find us on twitter you can find us on instagram youtube links are all in our bio on social media on our instagram page um yeah below after you get done watch this episode please leave us any uh thoughts ideas things you thought we didn't speak on things you wish we talked about more or kind of how you feel about the game anyways this has been jason no sir <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> bye guys